0: just past 7 o'clock and it has finally happened, Ira. Football season is back. All but two games have been played. We've got so much to talk about with that tonight on Ira on Sports. This is the True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo here as well. And and Ira, uh, we've got so much to talk about. People are even outside of, um, you know, football. The tennis was excellent, and you know th- that's a big topic of conversation around the water cooler today. You got to see pretty much all of this, and this was one of your busiest weeks they've had in a long time. So, uh, first and foremost, welcome back to South Florida, and where have you been? Tuesday, well, Monday night I was at the Open. Tuesday night at the
1: Open. Wednesday, fantasy football draft. So no open, (laughs) and I did a terrible job, horrendous, disastrous, I'm being like trying to be fired as the general manager (laughs) of my fantasy team by myself. And then Thursday night, I was at the women's semifinals, uh, and then Friday, the men's semifinals, and then Saturday, drove to State College, Penn State-Buffalo game, And then, and understand, Penn State is not near New York, there is a distance, (laughs) it's not. And then drove from Penn State to uh, New England to catch the Patriots-Steelers game. And everyone has criticized me, why did I not go to the men's final? I I could not decide. Even the morning when I woke up, I said, I was like right on 80. Could have gone either way. Could have gone to New York to see the men's final or the Steelers-Patriots. And the rival between the Patriots and Steelers, the fact that I really thought the men's final was just gonna be a blowout. I thought Nadal was gonna kill Medvedev, even though I'm a big fan of Medvedev. I was, I saw four of his matches at the mm. tournament. I still thought that Nadal was gonna win, and I just wanted to be there. And with the whole AB situation, I just felt like I was go to go to Gillette, and it was exciting because it's the first day of football, and I'm a Steeler fan. I'm not a Nadal fan. I'm a Steeler <laughs> fan, so I chose, and of course, I chose wrong. I went to a 33 to three shellacking, <laughs> and then everyone's telling me, "Did you miss the greatest tennis match of all time?"
0: It, so. It's, um, it is funny how it panned out. I can't say I would have done any. Day. I mean, especially with the Antonio Brown deal, it must have been a really interesting atmosphere uh, at Gillette Stadium. So we'll talk about that more in just a second. Before that, and before we talk about Antonio Brown and about uh, the U.S. Open, you were just mad about five minutes ago. And I think as a tennis fan, you should be that you even had to choose between these two events. I don't think you need to be a
1: rocket scientist. I, when I grew up, I had someone say, you don't need to be a Philadelphia lawyer to figure that out. I, I, There is no, it makes no sense for me. The fact that tennis has, ESPN's been running tennis. They run the Wimbledon for two weeks. They run the U.S. Open for two weeks. So clearly there's an interest in tennis. I love tennis. There's great figures in tennis. The, the, the doll fetter, it's a great sport. I think it's a phenomenal sport to watch on television, in person. I'm a big fan of tennis. I play tennis. I love it. The fact is, this is the U.S. Open. This is their main event why in the world do they play their final they pick let's see which i mean <laughs> short up going against the super bowl maybe they should schedule it the night of the super bowl and they'll have it going against the super bowl like why on the opening day of football do you have to have the men's final the men's final is the premier event of sports for tennis for tennis in the united states why in the world would you put it against football and i don't care if you say it's well it's dallas game or whatever everyone's watching football you're asking people everyone i know is like flipping between three different channels like no just they should have it on tuesday night not monday night. Tuesday Night. Play the semifinals Friday, or maybe play them Saturday. But then say, then they have two days of build-up, saying this is the final because this could have been Nadal, Federer, and they can have two days to build this matchup. Forget about the rest. The players are going to have the same amount of rest anyway, mm-hmm. and they and, and give them an extra day. They always take two or three days. If it was rain-delayed, it would have been rain. Play it on Tuesday. The ratings would be through the roof, or even for a bad finals. Like I have no idea why tennis does that. I am so mad at them. I I could not watch the men's match because I was at the Steeler game. You can't do two things. And I and I think this was. Is just a disgrace to tennis that's golf's got it right golf said we're tired of ending our season during football so they ended before labor mm-hmm. day and i think that's the smartest thing and i don't know why tennis there's no reason at all that i've heard why they cannot play this men's
0: final on tuesday no you're absolutely right in the sense that this is the second most in-demand television day of the year the super bowl is one and the first day <laughs> of football you're going to have the most people viewing football It just makes absolutely no sense to me. Maybe, um, you know, someone that runs, uh, you know, U.S. tennis will be listening to Iron Sports tonight can, 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 you know, give us a little bit of, of an insight or maybe make some changes for next year. But regardless, it's in the books. We'll talk about that in a second. But first, you know, college football is on all day Saturday. And the only thing that any of the pundits were talking about was Antonio Brown. He stole Saturday. Um... What do you make of all this? I understand why you went to Gillette. because you wanted to be around this? Uh, what would be like? You know the, the greatest rivalry in the AFC for the last decades. Now they just you know basically stole Pittsburgh's best player. The whole thing's strange. But let's talk about uh, your takes on what happened here with Antonio Brown.
1: Well, I mean, again, here's a player who I I've been following for years. I, when he wasn't when he was a rookie for the Steelers, I thought he was he was very impressive. And they, I didn't think they played him enough. And he was under the radar. I was drafting my fantasy drafts. And people were like, why are you drafting so early? Like, what? who is this guy, Antonio Brown? People didn't know who he was. No, nobody and, did. And even like two, three years ago, it's uh, everyone else was innate. Everyone else in terms of Odell Beckham and Julio Jones. Everyone, all these other wide receivers. But he was mentioned, Antonio. oh, yeah, he's a good guy. Oh, Antonio Brown's great. But he doesn't talk. He's quiet. He's whatever. But now. It is just... I got my news from TMZ. That was the best source. I was like, check TMZ, check (laughs) TMZ, because that's what was coming out. Uh, The fact is... When he, what he even just did on Saturday in terms of you thought by I have my fantasy team so you're following it like want to know what's going to happen. So tonight the Raiders play. So after all these problems, he was going to be the, the rumor was he was suspended, and that he was going to be suspended, suspended. in house, his attorney, his agent. I mean, worked out a deal, and uh, and it seemed like that he was not going to be he was not going to be suspended, and and Gruden announced he's not suspended. Well then, <laughs> but he was going to get suspended because he was on the practice field and decided to attack the general manager. Now, the general manager didn't come up and confront him. The general manager is standing on the practice field watching practice, and he just starts yelling at him and getting his face where he had to be restra- restrained by Vonte's perfect who is the <laughs> bad boy of the league anyway, to restrain him from attacking the general manager. And then he gets, then he gets a letter from the general manager saying, okay, now you're going to be fined, these fines are like $40,000 of fines, for missing this and for missing... Missing these things well then most players get these letters nothing happens nobody makes a big deal about it the team doesn't want to know the players don't know players are fine all the time mm-hmm. but no he puts it on his Instagram page knowing that <laughs> I got fined look at all these fines this is terrible and he and then he criticized the Raiders criticized his teammates and that's the point of that all led up to the fact that they were going to suspend it but then it looked like that was worked out and then it just and then and then you hear that he goes on his Instagram page says um I'm done, release me, release me, and they did. They released him because if he played that first game, if he played tonight, he would have got $30 million. I have, and I don't know why he. I mean, I think he's crazy because he goes to a situation where supposedly now the Patriots are giving him fifteen million this year, but the rest of the money is not guaranteed. But all he had to do was just be a normal city, normal player, just nothing great. He just go and play on Monday night. He gets thirty million dollars guarantees. The Julio Jones contract that he just signed. You notice that if he plays that game one we played on Sunday, sixty-five million dollar guarantee. You signed the contract. You played the first game, sixty-five million. So all he had to do was play the game, and he and he could even stay. He could could be quiet for two days
0: it's it's to the point where i assume that there's something he's got some kind of chemical imbalance he is partially insane and i don't know if it's from cte like some people are are rumoring there's rumors that it's collusion and that this was his plan the whole time i think he is just insane ira there's no other explanation for it at this point point. and for him if he makes it through this season as a patriot i will be shocked They are the most disciplined team in maybe all of sports with one of the most hard coaches in all of sports. I can't see him making it through the season. When he was cut, people were joking he's going to the Patriots. I'm like, pay with the Patriots. I you didn't know. think they were gonna take him. I go
1: I don't thought nobody was gonna sign him. Nobody was gonna sign him because you could see how he could undermine the coaches, he could undermine the, the quarterback. All these teams who have these quarterbacks that they're nervous about whether they have a bad game. I mean, could you imagine like Chicago with Mitchell Trubisky or Davis <laughs> Winston? Everybody's concerned about the quarterback situation. Do they need a do they need a wide receiver that is gonna upset? And and can we please give credit to Ben Rotzenberger? Can we give him some credit? He had to deal with this. This is the guy who he threw to for years and who again who was causing problem after problem. Now they say the Steelers created this monster because they coddled him. But the fact is that Ben and so Ben got criticized I guess 2 months ago because he was on radio and made a comment during a radio show that that Antonio did not run the right route. And that upset Antonio and that was and Ben was out of line for doing that. Well, clearly what Ben was doing was trying to hold his locker room together because Antonio was late for everything, doing whatever he wants to do, causing all these problems. I mean, the Steelers should be like the CIA. The fact that none of this went out, like everything he's doing now supposedly Happened with the Steelers, but nobody heard about it. So whether the reporters at Pittsburgh decided they weren't going to report, and for some reason, or the Steelers just kept everything under—they uh, they really are like the CIA—that nothing got out. Nobody knows. I mean, we should put our state secrets with the Steelers because <laughs> I, I can't believe all this activity, this actions didn't
0: get out. It, it, it's funny because that's all the memes across social media is just like Pittsburgh must be sitting back, like sipping their their tea. Like you know, look at what we were dealing with this entire time. The
1: Steelers got a third and a fifth round draft pick and they got criticized till the cows come home mm-hmm. for making that, oh, that's only a third and a fifth. They couldn't get a first round. And then the Patriots supposedly were offering the Steelers a first round, but they did not want Brown to go to the Patriots. So they turned that down. And then he goes, and now look at the Patriots. They didn't have to give him anything. They didn't have, They didn't give the waiters Raiders a, a pick. They ate him for free. They didn't no first round pick. And so the Patriots made out. But I, I just... I just cannot see this working out. I mean, I not only not working out, I Malcolm Butler was a star for the, the Patriots, played every game for the Patriots. He we still don't even know what he did wrong. That, no, supposedly, they never said. And he never and he never played in the Super Bowl. And it must have and it cost the Patriots the Super Bowl because Nick Foles destroyed them. So the point is the, the rumor with the Patriots are is that you have to you're not just you can't be late for meetings, you have to be ten minutes early. You have to you have to be uh, super on time. You can't cause any they're not when they were interviewing the Patriots, he was at at practice today, they're entering the Patriots. The Patriots were saying, "We're not." The players were denying. I can't talk about whether he's there or not. I can't talk if I saw. Did you talk to him? They're they're so tight lipped. Um, Julian Edelman or Wes, Wes Walker made fun of uh, Rex Ryan's feet one time about that foot, the whole yeah. foot thing. He gets <laughs> suspended for that. I mean, everyone there gets suspended. They are so. I just don't. And I know that they've taken the Randy Mosses and the Josh Gordons, but this is another level than Randy Moss. Mm-hmm. Ma- this is this is at a level I just can't see how he can. Like I think he's more likely to be running up the field one day and, like, punching Tom Brady then lasting a whole season. Like, I think he's just going to punch Bill Belichick or Tom Brady. And I just don't understand it, and I don't understand how this is going to work. Like, I I can't see this working at all. Like, I'm giving it a 0% chance
0: that it'll Uh, work. I I agree wholeheartedly. And that's why I don't think there is collusion, because... they're gonna be the first ones to cut him. The minute he steps out of line, he's gonna be cut. So you know, for me, to, and well, once that does happen, I think it'll prove it. I mean, remember a guy like Jamie Collins, who um, requested more money, he wanted to be the highest paid linebacker, they traded him to Cleveland immediately. What does he do as soon as he's a free agent? Goes back there and now keeps keeping his mouth shut. They, they run things very strict and i can't see this guy who is clearly clearly got some mental issues Remember, he had a
1: phone call with john gruden his coach who was trying to smooth everything over he recorded (laughs) the phone call with his coach and then released it on instagram everything he does and then today it was so funny they asked bill belichick during the press conference about social media and he paused it was the answer it's like what's your opinion on social media and he just he didn't know that he goes, well, I really don't pay much attention to it. I don't understand it. I don't know anything about it. Like this whole thing where it's just a crazy answer. And here's the person, like it's so funny. Is Everyone talks about collusion, but then Belichick admitted that he didn't know that Andrew Luck had retired yeah. before. It took him three <laughs> days to learn. But it is just, I just cannot see how this works. But I will say this. After being at the Patriot game, when they just won 33-3, to that if it does work, They're unbeatable. Like, Mm -hmm. they're going to win every game by three touchdowns, and they will be the best team because... They, Bray, their offensive line is excellent. Their defense is so improved from last year. It's the best they've had since 03. Uh, unbelievable defense. And you have Josh Gordon. So Josh Gordon, for you, five years ago, was the best wide receiver in the league. He put 1,600, uh, 1,700 yards, the 12 touchdowns for Cleveland. That uh, was the greatest thing, but had been suspended six times for drugs. But now he's a different person. He's totally, and he has all those skills. He had three, three amazing catches in the game last night. Mm. J- Edelman. Super Bowl MVP Philip Dorsett catches balls. You have Sony Michelle, James White, Rex Burkhead at running backs. They they are loaded, and they have and they're ride receivers. Nicole Harry, who they drafted number with the first pick in the draft with their first round pick, is supposedly going to be great. You put Antonio Brown on the field. They are you're teams are going to have to have twelve and thirteen players to play defense <laughs> against them because look what the Steelers look like. Look how bad the Steelers looked on defense yesterday, and that's without Antonio. If Antonio Brown's out there, I think Julian Edelman's going to catch balls. Like there's going to be plays where there's going to be how can you single cover. Antonio Brown and Julian Edelman and uh and Gordon at the same time and although it's it, and you have a guy like Brady who understands everything and who's gonna just pa- pass it and makes quick decisions it's just it's it's they're gonna score going to score every time they touch the ball
0: <laughs> you know what I, I I was thinking the same way as you is this is Julian Edelman is gonna like explode in this season now because of what you said you you can send Gordon and Brown out and you have to put two guys on each of them. So it's just going to be all night Julian Edelman just across the middle and Tom Brady with his surgical you know, surgical performances just tearing teams up Oh, underneath. yeah, he has a
1: weak arm. I mean, he had, he had three passes over 50 yards and his balls were flying. I mean, <laughs> I don't understand this. People would think, crazy. I don't care if he's 42, 22, 12. I, I, he's throwing balls... As accurately, and you watch him in warm-ups, you watch him in the games, when you're there in person, he is just at another level. I watch so much football. I see so many quarterbacks. I have never seen anyone as accurate. Don't give me Aaron Rodgers. Don't give me Patrick Mahomes. Don't give me anyone else. He is a master at throwing the football. He's the best that there ever was, and he's also the smartest and quickest. He can make quick decisions. He doesn't wait around to make these decisions, and these people are going to be, he's going to have players wide open, running all over the place. Like, to the next week, say Antonio Brown did play next week, which I doubt he will play, but they might I put him in for a little bit against the Dolphins like how do they not score a <laughs> touchdown on every play Lamar Jackson scored 50 yeah. some points on the Dolphins what's Tom Brady and this offense gonna do
0: I, I can't wait to talk a little bit more about this about that game too the, the Dolphins because that was just an awful performance by the way it's 720 this is iron sports you're listening to the true oldies channel I'm Mike Balsamo okay let's go back to the game you attended yesterday New England and Pittsburgh this is not your first time at Gillette right no, it's my
1: third time. I was there at the championship game and also another game that Steelers had lost, which is that the Steelers never, I think it would have to be like 100 years ago before the Steelers last won. At Ju- <laughs> I don't think they ever won at Gillette, but they in New England.
0: So tell us a little bit about um, the stadium and just you know about the atmosphere, because I'm sure people were a little hyped up with them you know, raising the banner and all that. Well, it was
1: interesting. I got to the game about two hours before the game, and I couldn't believe there was no traffic. And the reason, and then when I was walking to the game, I didn't see really people outside. And the reason is that everybody was in the stadium. Everybody, the stadium an hour before was packed. Now, as someone who goes to NFL football games all the time, that's not the case. Never the case. It was all, I'm like, where is everybody? It was quiet, it was all packed. The stadium is, they have like a city around the stadium. When they built the stadium, there's nothing around. Now there's restaurants and bars, and it's so cool to walk in there and see everything. And I love, it's hard to get to because there's like one way in and you have to park and then walk in. So what I do is I usually park like a half a mile from the stadium, then walk there and then walk back. Otherwise you're fighting the traffic to to get there. but it was in the stadium itself. I love the raising the banners. Like, I think if I was Tomlin for the Steelers, I'd have my players out there. Like, I want them to see the banner raised. I want them to see this. Like, I'd want the other team to see get rings. Like, this is what you should want. We should want this in Pittsburgh next year. This is the chance to show these players. Like, do you want this? Do you want this celebration? And they put this, something on the field. They had all the highlights. They had all the trophies out there, light shows, mm-hmm. everything, even though the sound wasn't really working. They had uh, Gronkowski came back, and Ty Law came back, and the music. And, and it was great. And they raised the banners. And they and when you look at the banners, they have six banners. No. so <laughs> (laughs) have all these banners all over the place and the fans are crazy and this is what back to Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh he could push around Benton he thought he could he could push around Tomlin and and, and Raiders Carr and Gruden Tom Brady is is not at a level he's at a level that there's uh, Jordan and Brady I can't think there's I those are the only two I think ever at that level I, I don't even think there's just nobody as who has more in that town more embraced by LeBron has never been embraced I don't think even in Cleveland like no. this. This is at another level. Tom Brady is at a level, there's nothing. And people said, oh, they should have traded Brady and made Jimmy Garoppolo the coach, the quarterback. It, it could have never happened. And <laughs> he, and, and Belichick has firm grip. How is Antonio Brown thinks he's going to? And the fans are only gonna support Belichick and Brady. They're not supporting Antonio Brown. Like they don't care. They just put 33 points against the Steelers, 33 to three. they they They're like, okay, great Antonio. They, they have, they're just whatever it is, but don't mess it up. But I mean, their comment Antonio is, if they lose a the game. It's going to be Antonio's fault. Antonio is not used to having everything being blamed on him for everything. It's
0: never blamed so on him. So if he
1: doesn't get the ball enough or he doesn't get targeted enough, and this or that, he's going to start complaining. People are going to be like, we don't care. Like, we don't care. The fans are totally aligned with Brady. He is an icon. He will have the biggest statue in front of any stadium. And Belichick, they're just, they're just that is, that
0: city is loves Brady and Belichick. That is one of the, um you know, the hinging points in this argument is that they don't need him. If, if they cut him tomorrow, they just beat what could be the second-best team in the AFC by 30. Didn't allow him to score a touchdown. They don't need Antonio Brown. He needs them. So yeah. it's, it's crazy. Let's talk about the game because, like I said... You guys didn't score a touchdown, I right you concerned after one week? I mean what happened here? I think the I
1: I don't the question is I was so excited about the stories because their defense had improved. They had added Mark Barron who started for the Rams. They added Steve Nel, uh, on the Super Bowl last year, Steve Nelson who was the best quarterback for Kansas City. They bring in Devin Bush, who was who had eleven tackles yesterday, but who people are talking about is gonna be the next greatest deal linebacker. The improvements to Bud Dupree. This defense was supposed to be great. And after New England punted the ball, they, they're added they scored on the seven of their next eight. possessions touchdown field goal touchdown field goal touchdown field goal field goal and as much as 33 to 3 was the score it should have been like 50 to Mm 3 like it was like they they had four field goals that could have easily been touchdowns I mean the Steelers were lucky to keep the score where they were Um, the Steelers couldn't tackle anybody They could not, they could not, these long bombs that they were throwing, the wide receivers were running totally wide open. When the Steelers ran their plays, it was, I don't know what the Steelers were doing. It's like they ran their wide receivers out there and I was got a new camera so I'm taking pictures and the wide receivers would run and they'd stop, they'd stop. And they just stand there. Like I'm trying to get an action picture of them moving. They didn't move. And so Ben actually sometimes had time. But when he had time, his offensive line did a great job. He couldn't throw the ball to anyone. And when they tried to run the ball with Connor, it seemed like they ran the same play. They ran like what 12 runs, and five of them were the exact same plays. Mm-hmm. Like it made no sense. And again, on defense, the criticism the Steelers are if we play zone defense? Well, Belichick knows how Brady. You're, you're asking Brady and Belichick. You're like, oh, you're gonna play zone defense? You're here. There were plays. Watch the highlights of these games. Where I'm watching the wide receivers, and they're running right by the Steelers, and the Steelers defensive backs are like okay like they think someone's back there like they think there's this invisible Steeler that is behind them because <laughs> he's not there I don't know what they were thinking it was so bad I, it could have just been worse and it was a total destruction there was nothing to, even the point when the Steelers were down 20 to nothing where you think you, you, you have this hope and they go down there to the uh, and they and they go for a field goal. They, they kick. They kick the field goal at the instead of uh, the fourth and one and don't even score a touchdown. And everyone was blasting the Steelers for that. And then uh, on the beginning of the second half, but it was just it just was horrendous. And it wasn't just they were turning. There was no like massive turnovers and pick sixes. It was. I mean, the one play that they were driving down, Ben fumbled the ball and they got the got they recovered their own fumble. It's just they couldn't move the ball and they couldn't stop the Patriots. And that's a recipe for a disaster of a game.
0: Um, Let's move on. There was two games, Ira, that I was very confident in as far as a gambler yesterday. One of them was Tennessee over the Browns. I wasn't anticipating it to be 30 points, but I had a feeling that Tennessee was going to come in and make this team that's been hyping themselves up for the last six months um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna shove it down their throat because of how much they've been talking, and because Tennessee is not a bad team at all, you know, they play good defense. Tell us about what happened in this one.
1: Well, 43 to 13. Uh, I'll just say the one stat: Browns were penalized 18 times for 182 yards. 182 yards in penalties is one of the most penalized in the last 10 <laughs> years, and that just as much as they were trying to hang in the game, they were down 15-13 in the second half. So you're thinking like I'm listening to these games in the drive. I was listening to all the games I wasn't watching as I was driving them. But then the Titans scored 28 straight. Points. And we talked about Delaney Walker, two touchdowns. Uh, and Marcus, the question was about Marcus Marietto. He's a game manager. Well, he's going to manage games because they did exactly what they were doing at the end of last year. Henry was running the ball great. Yeah. Uh, Marietta's making the short passes. And, uh, and and look, Nick Chubb, 17 carries, 75 yards. But Beckham and Landry, not much of an effect. And all we're talking about, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., was that he wore a quarter of a million dollar watch while the game during the game. Yeah. And like, the question is, what are you, first of all, why are you playing with a $250,000 watch and is 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 that really smart to be playing with a watch? And and wouldn't the other players be mad? Like, was it hidden? Like, why did nobody know about this? I don't think people knew we had the watch on until we like advertised it afterwards Mm because it was like taped up. But it was just, again, a disaster. And Cleveland now is 1-19-1 in the last 21 home openers. And and again, I'm gonna hark back to the Patriots a little bit, is that people, everyone was looking for who was gonna challenge the Patriots. And the Browns were the one, one of the picks, too. That Browns, this could be the year they could sneak up. Well, they don't look like that, and the Steelers certainly don't look like that. And Annapolis loses Andrew Luck. I mean, if you're looking at these teams. Like, who's going to challenge? Like, I think the Patriots, they, they play next week the Dolphins. Then they play the Jets. Then the Bills. And then, like, they're going to go undefeated. Like, there's nobody in the EFC. Andrew not say Kansas City. But but Cleveland looked like a team that was just talking, talking, talking. And I think that they really have to... That This was a shock, I think, that no one saw... Great job, Mike, for picking this, but no one, this was a game where people were surprised that Tennessee did
0: this. I mean, I think winning one thing, but beating the 43-13 at home and Cleveland, I didn't see that one coming. Did you happen to see the watch? It looked like a Swatch watch from 1990. The ugly. Uh, This game for me was a tale of two halves. Tennessee made great adjustments at halftime. Cleveland came out and did the exact same thing that they did in the first half. And it was less effective every single possession. Well, Baker Mayfield had three interceptions. And the point is that when they're trying to come back in, and I like Baker
1: a lot. I like the bravado. But again, a team that talks has got to back it up. And this is like you're
0: talking and then you don't back it up. And um, the, the the line was bad, you know what I mean. Baker was constantly pressured, but that's also good schemes, you know, from the Titans side. So there's a guy, and I didn't even know you can do this. You can make bets in Vegas based off the points you think the team is going to win or lose by. Somebody bet twenty or thirty thousand dollars a point that the Ravens would win by more than twenty, and he won six hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I never heard of this before, but but this is a game. You know, I thought the other game would be close. I knew the Ravens were going to destroy the Dolphins, and they did. And this game's a little weird for me now because I don't know what to think of Lamar Jackson. Is he going to be, you know, a top-end quarterback going forward? Or did he play against the worst defense I've seen in years? Because that's what it was.
1: There's a thing in fantasy called streaming defenses, and what that means is that because you have 12 people in the league, there's 32 teams. Most of them play, or 28, 26 teams. You really you don't you don't draft a defense because it really matters who they're playing. So you're always putting the defense against the worst offense. So the offense that makes the interceptions or whatever. And so but, it was the Browns for years. So it's like it's the worst <laughs> offense in the world. So I don't care if you have the worst defense that has been bad all year, but if they're playing the worst offense, the defense is going to get interceptions. They're going to go whatever. They have a, 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 A bad defense is going to look good against a bad offense. I think people are gonna start streaming offenses against the Dolphins. Like, they're gonna be playing, and people are gonna pick up the fourth and fifth wide receiver. Because everybody, look how many fantasy points every Raven seemed to have done something where they're against the Dolphins. Like, you're playing the Dolphins, I'll pick the fifth guy that has not caught a pass all year, and might even start him because, oh, they're playing the Dolphins. The Dolphins put up no defense. The score was 42 to 10, and what's funny is that the Dolphins are upset because they ran a fake punt for 69 yards. In the first half, the Dolphins are complaining about, I mean, I went to the Penn State Buffalo game, and there was, I mean, you look at somebody. We're going to talk about college football, about competition, and about Dick uh, Saban was complaining we can't schedule anyone. I mean, the Dolphins, if they continue at like this, uh, I mean, again, Lamar Jackson was great, seventeen for 20, 324 yards, five touchdowns. But when you don't play defense, it was it was it was horrendous.
0: What do you think of his comments after the game? It's pretty good for a running back. Not for a running back, because be he <laughs> criticizes a running back. And I, I thought that Hollywood Brown, who was the cousin of Tony Brown,
1: four catches for under forty-seven yards and two touchdowns. And in most fantasy drafts, he wasn't even drafted and he has this monster game, and everybody did well. So I, I don't know what to, I'm, I'm thinking, I think the Patriots-Steelers game, the Patriots are much better than everyone can imagine. I don't think the Steelers are so bad.
0: I don't know how good the Ravens are. I know the Dolphins are horrendous. Yeah, That's, uh, like you just said, I think Lamar Jackson's gonna be that the super hot waiver wire ad, him and and Marquise Brown. I don't know if this is real or if the Dolphins are just that that terrible. I run sports true all these channels at 731. I'm Mike Balsamo. Let's get into tennis. Some people are saying that this was the best tennis match they've ever seen in the final. What got us there?
1: Well, I I went on. I've, I saw Nadal play Monday night against uh, merlin silik of Croatia, and he Silic won the uh, won the tournament about four years ago. So he he's someone who could be dangerous against Nadal, and he took a set. But Nadal, it's it's great. It's fun to watch Nadal live because, and this is what was surprised me about this last match is. But it did surprise me on the fifth set, is because Nadal, as the matches go on, just gets stronger and stronger and hits the ball harder and harder. So you might take a set off him, but you're never gonna, you're just not gonna stay in it. And any, but if you look at the last sets he did against Silic, the final set he won six two. Then he in the quarters he played Schwartzman, uh, somebody he trains with, who's like five seven from Argentina. And again, it was the first two sets six four seven five. Final set he blows Silic out six two. And then he played this guy. I saw the semifinals against Matteo Bertoni uh, from Italy, who I think is gonna be his twenty two year old a 23-year-old who I think is going to be very, very good. And the tiebreaker, Nadal was down 4-0, but was able to come back. And Bartoni had a couple chances to take that first set. He missed. It's like, you have a chance to take a set from Nadal, and he choked in it. And uh, and, it, and it was close the whole time. It, it, but uh, Nadal, that final set, it was just, Bartoni just gave up 6-1. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what happened with Meddev. But Meddev, I give him credit. He he fought and had that one final break in the last game, in the last set. But, uh, um, but in, in getting to the finals. And then Federer... Uh, I was there in the quarters on Tuesday night against Dimitrov, and I just—it was like one of those matches where six-three wins the first set, and you're like, "This is going to be Federer, Djokovic. Federer is going to this." I, I was certain it was gonna be Federer and Nadal in the finals. Like I think Federer was cruising along; he looked great. But then in the second set, he uh, he gave up, and he uh, Dimitrov won six-four, uh, and they called Dimitrov—they call him Baby Fed. That's his because, really? because he grew, he was ranked third in the world. So he was, he's like 25 years old. He was ranked third in the world from Bulgaria. But then he went and just started playing terribly for a couple of years, fell off the radar, and now he's back playing great. And, but in the. Was uh,
0: Djokovic not very good at the time? And because he wasn't, it's weird that he would be ahead of him. What, in terms when, of. Well, yeah, no, that was the when Trump they were injured. Third. He got, he got oh, third okay. in the world when
1: everybody, good point. When he, when everybody was getting injured, I think he was ahead when, when Federer remember the Djokovic and the yeah, yeah, yeah. had injuries. So he was able, to, he was someone who was supposed to come back Hapo, and, and, and do that. But, Uh, And then in the third set, Federer won 6-3. I mean, and so then the fourth set started, and you're like, okay, now Federer's, he lost the first set, won the first set, lost the second set, third set. In the fourth set, uh, Federer's broken in the first game, and then in the next game, he was actually able to hold his serve, but then but it was unbelievable. He was up, he was ready, he was ready to win the fourth set, Uh, but at 40-love, he's up 40-love, ready to break Dimitrov. Dimitrov won all the games, won that set. And then you go to the fifth set, and I, he just, he didn't have it. It was just, it was sad to see. And I'm not saying that Federer is old. I think Dimitrov just found a groove and Federer Chris could not switch it. And Dimitrov was putting more pressure and Federer was making a lot of mistakes on his forehand. Uh, and it just didn't have it that, I just felt bad. I mean, what I'm saying is that he just didn't play great, that's all.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Medvedev is a guy that you've been talking about on this show um, f- for a while now. And you think that there could be something special behind this kid and he went on to show it pretty much here in the well, US. Well, I saw Open. him
1: at the City Open against TFL. And he plays and there's a hundred everybody in the arena, there might have been like a couple thousand people, and everybody was reading against him and he and he thought it was okay. This tournament, he's somehow turned the because he took the towel from a ball boy, everyone's been yelling at him. He does he so he embraces the fact that he's the bad boy mm-hmm. in that. He's a lanky player, he's six six, but he moves well on the court. So he's like he's like, can I give an example, Giannis? Like mm-hmm. uh, Anatoupek from uh, from Milwaukee, a player that's very tall but very agile, and it's and, and shockingly so. Even though he's tall, some of the we think of tall players with these great serves that like John Isner that don't move around. But he moves around really fast. He's very quick, gets to every ball, so he's able to stay in rallies. But he has this dominating serve. Mm-hmm. Um, so he played in the quarters against Stan Wawrinka, who beat Djokovic, and I was waiting. I thought this was Stan was going to take it to him, and Stan didn't play a good match. And Medvedev just took it to him and played. Uh, it was the, the first set was crazy. They were both double faulting. Like nuts, and uh, but then he just he he only took the third set from him, and then the fourth set Medvedev won, and then he played Dimitrov in the uh, semifinals, and I was at that, and it was it wasn't a close match seven six six four six three, but Medvedev's just a he just he is able to stay in the points with his ground strokes. You saw him against Nadal, he could actually do rallies with, but but he has the touch. He has the only thing he's missing. He doesn't have a net game. He doesn't come to the net. Doesn't have really that net game yet. But he has great passing shots. He can hit the, hit the ball hard, and he can move the ball. he's, he's a weird player, but it's. It's difficult for these players and you could solve against Adole how well he we played. He's only twenty two years old. I it's someone the question is I like Dominic Thiem, I like Medvedev, all these young players. It has to be sustainability. It's great you had this nice run in this tournament, you played well, but can you do this six months from now and seven months from now? That's going to be the question for him.
0: And the match, you know, the finals ended up being about five hours long. So, yeah, who can maintain this through an entire tournament, then play five hours against one of the best of all time in Nadal? And obviously he couldn't, but this one, he they were on the brink here. Nadal had his had Medvedev's back to the wall and he battled back. And some people are claiming this was one of the best matches ever.
1: Well, I think what he, the fact fact that he was able to take the the middle two sets from him a third and fourth set and then in the fifth Mm -hmm. set even though the Nadal started playing but I I watched the fifth set and you can just see Nadal has a gear that only Federer and Djokovic have and Nadal's top gear might be better than those two and 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 that's (laughs) what that's how great he is is that when he starts he his ground strokes are going to be 105 miles an hour that's what people serve at, and he's and 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 he just got and, I, and you just he's an all time if he and again Federer Djokovic than Nadal are the three best players of all time, but at the level that he plays and remember this is Nadal who played the Australian Open against Djokovic and Djokovic killed him in like an hour and fifteen minutes mm-hmm. that just shows you how good Djokovic when he's healthy how he plays, but the fact is Nadal actually had to really kick it up it was great to see because uh, and again I didn't think that I thought when Nadal played Kevin Anderson in two thousand seventeen in the finals he won six three six three six four I felt like that was what was going to be, that he's going to get a break of Medvedev, one break a set, and that's what it was going to end. But Medvedev was able to take the break, keep breaking Nadal. The fact is that he was able to return Nadal serve well. Um, he stands so far. The interesting thing about both those two, they stand so far back. Like, I'm waiting for them. Like, if you're at the Open and you're sitting and you're trying to look down, you can't see them. They're against the wall. I think they're going to hit one of the, the referees who are back there <laughs> because they swing or like hit the net. Like, I, I don't know why Nadal doesn't play the City Open because the courts aren't as long. Like, he, he'd have to be playing outside the courts the way they play.
0: You're listening to Iron Sports. It's the true all these channels, seven thirty eight. I'm Mike Balsamo. Anything else you want to touch on in, in this match? I mean, this was I didn't see the entire thing but seeing the highlights it looked like it was it looked like it was just craziness especially with like I said Nadal having Medvedev down to his last um, you know the last point there didn't
1: he? Yes and I think the fact that Medvedev came back and had that break on Nadal it looked like he was going to steal that set. and usually once we talked about how Nadal when he gets control of those sets, it's 6-1 it's over I mean Bertone just gave up Uh, uh, it wasn't even close but I think that's what made this exciting and I think it's great look Medvedev now introduced himself to everybody theme introduced himself against the doll so this year we already had to um uh djokovic won australian open in it a- in a masterful fashion. He won Wimbledon beating Federer in people took an all time great match. That's an all-time great. That was amazing. That was the best match I've seen. Mm. And then you have the doll win at French and the Doll win here. So they both had who's the player of the year, Djokovic in points might be number one. But you're getting still get excited for next year. But the worst thing is you can't wait. The next major is in, in January. So we're done with tennis. We're done with tennis. We're done with golf. <laughs>
0: It is zero zero right now. Two minutes and fifty five seconds left in the first quarter. New Orleans Saints and Houston Texans. Drew Brees uh, just threw an interception. Let's go to the women's side. Um, Palm Beach Gardens resident Serena Williams hasn't looked great you know since coming back from having a baby and then she's steamrolling the the ladies in this tournament up until the final match well
1: the problem is Serena has now made finals in four of the last six grand slams so you would say she's and she's trying to get the record Margaret Court at 24 majors she has 23 so she's trying to tie Margaret Court and break it so she's on the cusp of doing this. But in 2018, she lost to Angelique Kirby and with Kerber in the Wimbledon Finals. In 2019, she lost to Hennon in the Women's Finals. Last year, she lost lost to Osaka in the U.S. Open Finals. And now she lost to Bianca Andresco of Canada, 19-year-old, in this final. So she's been favored in all these matches and she hasn't closed out. This tournament was surprised because, like, I saw her in the quarters against Quing Wong, the number 18 seed. She won 6-0, 6-1 in 44 minutes. It was, at one point, she won like 15 out of 16 points. Like, it was all Almost like if you went out there and played her, yeah, I mean, forty-four it, minutes. Like every yeah. time, Quinn, she would. Serve, the points were over. There were no rallies. It was mm. like she would. Quinn would serve the ball. Serena would hit a winner. Serena would hit an ace, and it was like over like that. Forty-four minutes. Like mm. they were sitting down during the breaks longer than they were playing tennis. And then, um, and then she crushed it. Switlona in the uh, quarter in the in the in the six three six one of the semifinals. I mean, it was it was again a, a match that. Uh, so I felt like I saw her on uh, Thursday, Tuesday, and Thursday, uh, Thursday and Thursday, and. And she seemed like primed, ready. Like, this was not going to be the finals. Her coach, Patrick Rani, said, she's ready, she's back to Serena mode. And uh, Bianca Andreescu, now, she's had an interesting year. Nobody knew about her when they started. She mm-hmm. won Indian Wells out of nowhere, which is the other big tournament in America. She goes to Miami. She wins one match, but then gets hurt, doesn't play, doesn't play the rest of the season, doesn't, doesn't go to Wimbledon, doesn't go to the French Open, comes back and wins the Rogers tournament over Serena, who gave up uh, because she was injured. It's, and then she comes to this tournament, and I saw her play Monday night against Taylor Townsend. Taylor Townsend just beat Justine Hennen, who, the, the one of the top players in the world, and... Bianca won six-one the first set, but it went back and forth, back and forth, and she won in, in the third. It was it was an exciting match, but it was a struggle. And then Wednesday night she won. She beat Mertens in three sets. And in this in this in the semifinals, she uh, faced Belinda Birtczek, and it was more of an easy win for her. But she still uh, it was still a closer match. So the point is that she had trouble getting to the finals. And I just thought, I, again, I, on Saturday, I thought Serena was just going to roll. I thought it was going to be another, like, two and two. And she had trouble. She fell down. This is sort of, like, this is how she loses. She she fell down early in the first set and, and lost the first set. You're like, okay, well, she'll come back. Then she's down 5-1 in the second. Now she came back and tied it at 5-5 five, five, and then loses 7-5. But... Um, I don't know what, I mean, here, I mean, it's, she is one, you can't say she chokes in the majors, she's won 23 majors, she's won more majors than any but one person, she clearly doesn't choke in any majors, but in the last few years she's been choking, but... Look, she's back. Her t- her tennis is. She's now the best player in the world. She just happens to be losing different people. I really think that next year she's gonna. I get two majors. I think she's getting. I think the coaches working with her. I look for her to break the record. And have 25 majors by the end of next year.
0: Let's um change gears. Ira, go to college football, and you were at Penn State, like you said, long drive from New York City, but uh, you do it quite often.
1: Well. It, again, this is what we're. Gonna, the, the, they asked Nick Saban about scheduling, and we're going to go through and I'm going to list some scores. And, uh, Penn State pay Buffalo. They're a 30 point favored. They won by uh, 32. Uh, but it, a weird game. They're down 10 7 at halftime, and Buffalo. Uh, a school uh, who had lost a lot of their players their quarterback who uh, Matt Myers their freshman quarterback is going to be a good player as he played great against Penn State but the, Penn, Buffalo at 22 first downs, Penn State 14 Buffalo converted 10 at 23 third downs Penn State only converted two for third downs and they had, they had 42 minutes to Penn State 17 but they still lost the game 45-13 talk about <laughs> statistics I mean they had every statistical category and Penn State was able John Reed did a, a pick six for a touchdown but it was like one of these games where you know, all these top Teams. These games are just can we get play players? How are we doing? And now with the new rules, you can play three games. You're seeing a lot of the depth of these teams. They're playing freshmen now, and they're playing other players mm-hmm. because you play them at three games, and then if as long as you play them at three, you can redshirt them. And then like uh, Alabama beat New Mexico State 62-10. Georgia beat Murray State by 40 points. Oklahoma beat South Dakota. Ohio State beat Cincinnati 42-0. I mean these blowouts. I mean there's really just a couple of big games. Clemson Texas A&M. That was and that, this was their only game. This is the only ranked team Clemson's going to play all year. They won 24 10. We're up 24 3. They look good, not great, but they're going to be playing for the national championship. Um, (laughs) LSU Texas was an exciting game. I was interested. Game day was at Texas, there was nobody there. I could not believe how they could not get yeah. a fans for game day. This was the first time in 10 years they were there. Joe, the great thing that happened that, the best thing that happened to Alabama all week was that LSU looked great in that game. They have a quarterback, Joe Burrow. LSU looks like they're gonna be a, a good team. And so when they play Alabama, they might be third, Alabama will be two. Alabama looks like they're gonna have to beat Auburn, they're gonna have to beat LSU, and they're gonna have to beat uh, Georgia to go to the to uh, to go to the national championship, in, in, just to go play in the playoffs. And that's enough. The rest of the games, they'll blow everybody out, mm-hmm. but at least it seems like get like a schedule just beat somebody good we know you're good then you can have easy teams the rest of the way um, and then the other the other big game was and then Texas looked good Te- Sam Ellinger for Texas mm-hmm. played great it was an exciting game I give Texas a lot of credit I think they're back on the map the Texas Oklahoma game is going to be a must see game to see so from that perspective it's good for that and then Michigan Army Army last year that had weird. Oklahoma, they had them on the ropes. They were up 14-7. They, had, they threw five passes all game, and then they threw an interception on the goal line. Uh, if they would have scored there at 21-7, I think Michigan would have been done. But Michigan is putting all their barrels with Shea Patterson, the transfer of Mississippi who played last year, a little off and on. This year, he looks he looked terrible that game, was fumbling, had, had two fumbles, turned the ball over, um, and it was it was just a really, really... Just a bad. They ended up winning the game in overtime, uh, but there, there's just so much. There's no reason why Michigan, the top ten team, has to play. But Oklahoma, they, Army played great against. I mean, Army is doing a great job. They won eleven games last year, and uh, they were. And they. But the last time they beat a top ten team was in 1963. They beat Penn State. So but that, that was that was <laughs> pretty <anecdote>. cool.
0: <laughs> um, you know I wanna know What's funny? I was uh, my my nephew and his buddy came in from from Raleigh. They're hanging out for the weekend. Young teenagers. And when they saw the stat that Army only threw five times, they were like, that's a that's a mistake, right? I'm like, no, this is just how they play. And it was, it was like, they couldn't comprehend that, that how Army and Navy, you know, kind of do their thing. So you're right, Ira, when you say that there's just not much excitement early in the season based off how things are scheduled. You do think, though, that some of these games are going to have big ramifications down the road. Well, Syracuse, Maryland beat Syracuse 63-20. Syracuse was the
1: one. Now you can see ABC is putting this Clemson-Syracuse game on prime time tomorrow. Now they thought, they did not want Syracuse to lose by 40 points. But I think that makes Maryland look better. So I think that's going to be good when if, if some of these Big Ten teams, like if Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State can beat a good better Maryland team, so Maryland's not so bad, mm-hmm. it makes them look better. And also, Clemson cannot lose. Like, if Clemson lost a game, they're not oh, playing. Like yeah. they, Their schedule is so weak. It is like New England and Clemson, probably the easiest catches. <laughs> but um, I thought that meant, and I think the Pac-12 t- uh, losing, the Stanford losing to USC, California beating Washington, Oregon lost last week. Again, like what happened last year, when you're, when those star teams are losing, not only are they not able then to go in the playoffs, because it's all mm-hmm. about perception. It's all what they look like. But then when you beat a team, like, the one thing about college football is like, oh, it's a rivalry. I'm from Michigan. I want Ohio State to lose every game. No, you don't. You want to you want the team you play to be undefeated, you want to beat them and Good then you point. want them to beat everybody else. That's <laughs> what you point. want to do. You want, you want to be the only one that beats these teams. I don't care how much you hate somebody. It's like you could be it's like you want to be the team that beat the guy. That's the only one and let them win everyone. you got to root for them the rest of the season because that makes you look better.
0: No, you're absolutely right, especially back when it was you know, decided by a computer. I think the other team's strength the schedule and how they did. Right, you so when Florida State
1: bunch. loses and then they lose to the the Boise State and then they beat Louisiana Monroe by a point, That when you beat Florida State, if Clemson ever, they don't play, but if, if you beat Florida State, it doesn't look good because Florida State mm-hmm. doesn't look good. And when you're in Miami and you lose 28-25 to North Carolina, uh, then it doesn't look good. again. I mean, the Florida, Miami and Florida State, to think where they were when I was younger, and they were the—Florida State— If they weren't, one year they were like seventh, and they're like, what happened to Florida State? Yeah. Like, they were in the top five every
0: single year. And what what do you think they're thinking in Miami? Because I I don't know if the. Expectations were super high for this year, but I think they thought that they were going to be a contender, and, and you know, like not a contender for the national championship, but a contender, some team that was going to challenge top twenty-five teams and be ranked in the top twenty-five. You lose to Florida, that that's one thing. Florida is, is a good team. That was a pretty close game. UNC, though, you're not supposed to lose that game, and I think it was two years ago. I think they were seven and zero and lost to UNC and kind of just ended, you know, that awesome run. So maybe this team has something for them. are You worried if you're a, a Hurricanes fan? I think
1: you're. I think you're happy many Manny Diaz as a coach. I think there's a lot of excitement around him. I think he is full of energy. I, the recruiting, I, 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 I mean, they had Mark Richt in there. I think the good thing with Miami is they've had some really great hires, were mm. they? I mean, it looks good. Like Mark was the coach at Georgia; they brought it back, so it creates the energy and it buys the coach t- time to turn it around. And I think that Manny Diaz, people love him, and he has a lot of passion. But it could be a little Dave Wadstead. When Dave Wadstead went to Pitt, and it was uh, it was like all this excitement around Wadstead. he's back, he's a pro. It's, it's like, but it didn't really it didn't really uh, uh, amount to much. And and Narduzzi, the coach at Pitt, too. It's like Pitt does the same thing; they bring in the defensive coordinator at Michigan State, who's supposedly this great defensive coordinator, and it just doesn't catch on like you hire the good coach and it buys you some
0: time but it really is not getting you the wins i heard, let's talk about uh what we have coming up this week in college football another week with nothing huge well there really isn't i mean I, I looked at the schedule. You,
1: I, I, Washington State at Houston on Friday night, if you're nothing, watching high school football, that might be a good, exciting game. Houston's coached by uh, Dana Holt, the, the coach of West Virginia last year, and uh, Washington State by Mike Leach. So it's, it should be a fun, exciting, offensive-type game. Pitt plays Penn State at 12 on, on Saturday. I'll be at that game. Uh, Florida-Kentucky at 7 o'clock interesting game. Clemson's going to blow out Syracuse and Oklahoma's playing UCLA, but UCLA lost to San Diego State this past week. So again, just a week schedule of like, boy, this is going to be a great team. These SEC
0: teams, besides Florida playing Kentucky, not a lot of good games. It's 7.50. Ira on sports, true oldies channel, still deadlocked at zero starting the second uh, quarter here, Houston and New Orleans. Ira, so of course, everyone's super excited last Thursday night. You get together with all your buddies and football's back and we had the 100 year anniversary of the league packers and bears the oldest rivalry and it was just not a pretty game it was just uh, ugly all around and i don't know if it was just shaking rust off or good defenses bad schemes but it wasn't i don't think what the nfl wanted their first game to be
1: well I think there was excitement around the Packers and, and LaFleur being the new coach for Aaron Rodgers. And we're waiting for the, the Packers with, they have a healthy Aaron Jones he's a running game and, and you're waiting for Devontae Adams, the this premier wide receiver he has and their offense just didn't do anything. And the, and the only thing that helped them win is that the Bears' offense was not existent The yeah. Bears were terrible, and now you're thinking Mitchell Ziblinsky is he the coach? I mean, there's a lot of teams. We talked about this. Is that these teams thought they had their quarterback, and as the and it's nice to spend the offseason saying we have a quarterback, we have a quarterback, we have a quarterback. When they start playing games, and you're like, do we really have a quarterback? And I think they're starting. To, they could be one of those that we really have. He did not look well in the, that good in that game, and I think that caused. And there's a team that was in the playoffs last year, and I, I don't know why the league. I think the league showed with the Patriots the first game. I, they they did it because it's the hundred year anniversary of the league, but the Patriots are. Either, why not put Patriots Cowboys? Like if the if the league wanted to get excitement back mm-hmm. for football, put Patriots Cowboys. I don't think they could play, but maybe just do a weird yeah, schedule. Just, they're not. In, they're not in the. Not, they weren't rotated. I don't think they play. No, Cowboys. we do
0: play the AFC. The the NFC East does so, play the AFC East. Play. Play.
1: So yeah. I, I would have. Oh, that's right. They just. So then, then yeah. I would have put that game. I thought they thought it was going to be nice night nice tradition, of hundred year, but the game was terrible mm-hmm. and it was a snooze fest. I was watching. I was at the open and. I, I was mad the Bears backfield I, I picked David Montgomery I thought everyone from Iowa State everyone thought he was going to be this great running back and I he played terrible and uh, it was just from fantasy perspective nobody who had any players in those games was
0: happy <laughs> no you weren't you know who's not happy now though looking back you know two years removed Bears fans that you traded up from Mitchell Trubisky who now like you said you don't know if you have a quarterback that's could, you know championship worthy anymore despite the fact you have the best defense in the league and the fact that you traded up for him over Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes
1: uh, yeah, you gave away draft picks to draft the player, and the player that I mean that was the, everyone's going to be mad about the Pat Mahomes. I mean, and also I think there's going to be a point where people are going to ask Andy Reid, "Is like, did he really need to sit a whole year uh, behind Alex Smith? Like, mm-hmm. did he really was that one year I'm so important that he sat for an entire year? And it wasn't like when Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre, you can understand that, but Pat Mahomes, who looks as one of the, like a Hall of Fame quarterback,
0: sat behind Alex Smith. I played him in fantasy this week. First, first, second play from scrimmage, touchdown, 54 yards. Like this kid's really good. Um, Minnesota and uh, Minnesota and Atlanta. I knew the Falcons would struggle. Minnesota is a very good secondary. I didn't think that Matt Ryan would look that lost. His stats are okay but it was all garbage time panning uh, this if i'm a falcons fan i'm a little bit worried right now i'm beyond worried if i'm yeah. a falcons fan because that did this is
1: they're looking like they did last year and this is a team 2 years ago is this how long is the hangover effect of the super bowl remember Two years ago, they were you know they were almost yep. there. They they had the, they about had the 28 to three. Yeah. twenty-eight to The Patriots there. and could you imagine Matt Ryan, Super Bowl winning quarterback? I mean, that gives you the Eli Manning credibility. Like mm-hmm. if you win the Super Bowl, you you sort of you have that halo yes. forever. Like they always say, Super Bowl winning, Masters champion as a golfer. Mm-hmm. Just something yes. about being. So it's not like Matt Ryan. I was beating the Patriots twenty-eight to three in the Super Bowl. No, I'm this and and they <laughs> doesn't but, have the same ring to it. But Minnesota, I think they got a they, they, they Dalvin Cook has to run the ball like he did. So they go back to running games. As they saw where they brought Gary Kubiak in. They have this whole way to run controlling the ball. Kirk Cousins, we talk about Army. Army threw five passes, Minnesota threw ten. Ten. Passes in a, in a Dalvin Cook game. was running at will, and that's and that's what they want, and that's what and because they and they play their defense. And we've heard about Minnesota's defense, but the problem with Minnesota's defense is when they get these shootouts. It becomes hard because they're it's too much of a mess when your offense is turning the ball. If your offense isn't turning the ball over and they're controlling you to be on the field, then you look really good. But great win for Minnesota, bad win for Atlanta. And, I, and again, I think people say, "Oh, you can't read so much in these opening games." I do think you can read it something. I, I don't want to get too okay. excited, but I think that if I'm Minnesota, I'm very happy because now Cousins is doing what Cousins should do. I think they brought Cousins and they gave him the $100 million guarantee. And they thought, you're going to be Aaron Rodgers. And he's really not Aaron Rodgers, but he's a good quarterback, smart quarterback. So use him, what he's good for, play that way and win games. And don't try to turn him into Aaron Rodgers.
0: Yeah, and if, if Dalvin Cook, and I don't, they have a rookie, I don't remember. Is He had the dreadlocks, I don't remember. Marshall, I think, was his last name. These guys were just running all over them. You didn't need Kirk Cousins out there. So... If you're a New York football fan, you're a Giants fan, you're, you're pretty depressed about yesterday. But I think it's actually worse if you're a Jets fan, Ira, because the Jets looked like they were cruising in this game, and then the Bills came back and got them. I think, I mean, I, my friends who are Jets fans
1: say Adam Gase. I mean, they are going, Jets fans are Mets fans, and the Mets fans don't like Mickey yeah. Calloway at all. And now they have, I think the only thing's helping Mickey Calloway is that now they're mad at Adam Gase. And they're like, Todd <laughs> Bowles was better than this. Because they don't understand, like, Lavian Bell actually looked, like, here's a player for the series. So yep. Lavian Bell ran well, they're like, boy, this Lavian Bell's good. Like, this Lavian Bell, like, you watch him play, he catches the ball. And I've been saying, it's like, if I had Lavian Bell, He his hands are like Antonio Brown's hands. He catches everything. And you get him in space as a running back. He just throw the ball to him fifteen times a game. Look what Matt Caffrey does for uh, Christian McCaffrey does for Carolina. He's way better than Christian McCaffrey and then they stopped going to him in the game. They're up mm-hmm. and they but they got lucky. Their defense got the the uh, CJ Mosley uh intercepted pick in the touchdown yeah. pick six, but they really didn't move the ball well. Sam Darnell did not look that great. Again, another Trubliski Darnell, they didn't look that great. And uh, to blow a sixteen nothing to lead. I mean I was listening on the radio, they're up 16 nothing finally it's seventeen sixteen. Not they, and who came back to him is Josh Allen, who was had two interceptions, looked terrible himself, mm-hmm. and they lose to Buffalo. And again, this comes back to the Patriots. You're playing the Dolphins, you're playing the Jets. And you're playing the Bills six times. That's six wins. Now they got the Steelers win. That's seven. It's hard to think where they're going to lose. I mean, that's seven wins in the bank.
0: You know, typically I'm always in the camp of AFC East that the Buffalo will get a win against them, and Miami usually gets a late season win. No, not this year. This should be six and zero. Oh. No, no reason to, to think that it wouldn't be. Another game that was kind of crazy was Eagles Redskins, and I love a good NFC East matchup. But this is another one. Redskins jumped out to a massive lead, and I'm looking at this like the Eagles are supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. You're going to get shellacked by the Redskins then next thing you know Eagles win
1: well, now you're seeing why people like Carson Wentz over Nick Foles because Carson Wentz, those he looked great. I mean, there's yeah. some of the, those deep passes to Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson, could he be any happier? I mean, this is he <laughs> likes Philadelphia, he loves the, and he and he's got he gets to go against, and he caught eight passes for 150 yards, two touchdowns. They're down 17 nothing, and their running game with the Eagles, they have Sproles, they have Howard Sanders. People are looking for the Eagles to get fantasy. Per, you're probably not. And besides Wentz, I, they're going to be spreading everything out. You're going to have it's, it's running back a committee. It's wide receiver by committee it's everything by committee which is bad for fancy but I think great for the Eagles and it was a, it was a game the Eagles could not afford to lose it's why no. they look great coming back and the fact that they have that explosiveness I think people in Philadelphia should be happy about that uh,
0: let's talk about the Rams and Carolina Carolina is a team that I just literally no idea what I'm getting week to week season to season McCaffrey looked great Cam Newton did not and at, the Rams did just enough to, to get by well, this
1: was a tough game because, again, you're going the whole West Coast team, going to yeah. East Coast, playing at 1 o'clock. It feels like 10 o'clock in the morning. It's difficult. The Rams, sort of, they're having the Super Bowl hangover from last year. Mm-hmm. But they came in. And so I think everyone's picking Carolina, and the Rams played well. I thought the Rams' uh, golf was just sort of average, but they ran the ball well at the fourth quarter. And their defense, it just, it's a weird type of game. I don't think the Rams fans were happy with it. But I think if I'm Carolina, this is one of those games where I think Rams are happy we got through the game. The Carolina fans are like, this is a game we had to win. Like, if we wanna be a premier team. We gotta win games like this. We gotta beat the Rams in our own, and they didn't do it. And I think McCaffrey played great, but Cam just did come up with his big plays in the fourth quarter, yeah. and that's gonna be the trend that he had last year.
0: We finally have a score in Houston versus New Orleans. Deshaun Watson, 21-yard quarterback keeper. It's a rushing touchdown. There's 13 minutes left to Fantasy go. in that. that. After, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they love some Deshaun Watson, <laughs> as you should. And again, the aforementioned Trubitsky before him. Um, I love Kansas City just because they're exciting to watch. And I love watching Jacksonville just get destroyed with their defense after all the smack they've talked. And that's exactly what we got in this one o'clock matchup. Well,
1: how about everybody pick Jacksonville? Oh, like oh, it's going to be hot. It's a hundred degrees. On, yeah. New England goes down there. You can't play in Jacksonville. It's 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 too hot. They don't know what to do. And their defense. I mean, Jacksonville again. Jacksonville and Cleveland should play each other because these are teams that just run their mouth and run their mouth and run their mouth. And it, and they get blown out. And Mahomes played fantastic. And Tyreek Hill got hurt. In the game, and Sammy Watkins comes up with eight catches for uh, nine catches for 188 yards. And how about Lashawn McCoy was utilized? David, you know, the people who thought David Williams was going to be that Kareem Hunt back on that team, you know, they're then running back by committee. We talked about that, uh, great. But Kansas City, like that's the team that's going to be the New England's biggest threat. Uh, but I still think again. The Patriots went last year to Kansas City and beat Kansas City. I think the Patriots are better than they were last year. The Kansas mm-hmm. City's not as good as they were last year. So we'll see what happens as the season goes on. But if I'm the Patriots, I'm like, that's my only competition.
0: Yeah, granted, um, they were up huge you know, early on in that game. But with Nick Foles going down, you have Gardner Minshew come in. And in his first NFL appearance... Looks pretty good. I, I would be. Uh, that's why I'm. I'm agreeing with you that I think Kansas City's not as good as they were. The offense is great, but they lost. You know, D. Ford and Justin Houston on defense. There's there's less talent there on defense. So good luck stopping that. Well, Patriots I remember, attack. I
1: love Gardner Minshew from Washington State. I mean, mm-hmm. I stayed up till one, two in the morning and watching him all the. I think he's a great. I think he's going to do very good. I I, I you know who I think. I mean, Nick Foles is out till week eleven. I like. They just made a trade for Josh Dobbs. The Steelers yeah. traded their backup quarterback to uh to uh to Jacksonville so that so he'll maybe get in
0: some of it. I think their point is they're going to keep Minshew as a starting quarterback. Um, We've only got about five minutes left. Still a lot to get to. Let's go to this Giants and Cowboys game. This is another example of what I said before with Lamar Jackson. I don't really know if Dak Prescott and the Cowboys offense is that good because the Giants defense was awful. It's hard to tell. I think between Lamar and Dak, they had like a thousand yards of
1: passing and like nine touchdowns. I mean, everyone's like, "Oh, Dak Prescott's back!" and but I do think it's Kellen Moore is calling the plays yeah. now. Uh, Kellen Moore was a quarterback I love from Boise State. I thought he was a smart, very great quarterback, um, mm-hmm. and I've always he put them thought, on the
0: map there when he they, well, they, yeah. was a
1: great, great quarterback, and and. He is, and he, the people are raving about him so he's calling him not Jason Garrett their coach and Jason Garrett was known as the offensive genius but now he's turned it over to Kellen Moore and I think they look different they looked like they, oh they looked good and I but again they were playing nobody but I do think that that is there's something I think there's more to be reading into that than the Mar Jackson because I think Dak has had more of a track record and then you also have uh, Ezekiel Elliott playing but the fact that he was getting Gallup who look? They, they look. They have a wide receiving core. Remember last year they lost Elliott. Both they didn't have a wide receiver. Now they have Gallup. They have Cooper. They have Jason Witten back mm-hmm. uh, at his tight end. So they looked like they were they were going And, and Saquon Barkley. I mean, I think last year his first carry was like fifty nine yards. I mean, carries was, fifty nine yards for a <laughs> then. But it, it, it's like it's tough for him. I mean, for fantasy owners, it's going to be hard. I mean, he's not going to have people are going to really key on him. You're going to have to hope for these breakaway runs some games and other games you can have like twenty carries for forty five yards or, or but you guys got to hope because he catches the ball so many times he's gonna at least break one or two plays a game
0: yeah he, he wasn't phenomenal but it, when Dak's just picking him apart you know michael gallup looked like a pro bowler and you know but it's funny you brought up about not having the receiving core and having it they're eight eight one since the amari cooper trade so that just goes to show eight one regular season um since that trade so that is helping Dak a lot um kyler murray first start what, what's your take here i mean he pulled one out Well, they were terrible
1: for three quarters. He does nothing. (laughs) And then he comes back and the pool went out. They tied the Lions. And again, it's like, I'm a Cardinal fan. I'm like ecstatic. Like, for three quarters, you're probably thinking, oh, another bust, a quarterback, we drafted Josh Rosen, but they looked exciting at the end. Um, they, uh, the, the, uh, Kingsbury, the play calling, I mean, I think that's maybe what they should just do. They should just let him, like, no huddle, let him, str- just, uh, and Larry Fitzgerald plays, it's so funny is that their young team, and Larry Fitzgerald has, is, like, 35 years old, he's like the Tom Brady wide receivers, and he loves playing in the system, and I think he's gonna, I didn't draft him in fantasy, and now I'm mad at myself, because I watched him play, yeah. because what Kyler does is, Kyler scrambles around, and he he doesn't just run every play he does scramble and and the wide receivers and this is why Antonio Brown might be great for the, the Patriots is that he does move to where Ben is so the wide receivers that move to those open spaces like Fitzgerald does is going to help him and he's going to mm-hmm. be really so you could see Fitzgerald play great and I'm kicking myself for not drafting him in fantasy.
0: Yeah no I was thinking the same thing watching uh, all the targets especially once they were down it, you know Larry Larry's still Larry it's amazing that this guy uh, doesn't fall off. Did you happen to see the um, offensive lineman for the Cardinals try to avoid Kyler Murray by jumping over? him, I saw him. <laughs> this is, it's crazy that you know the, the content that's coming out of here real quick before we wrap up football 49ers look good what's your take on Jimmy Garoppolo because um, there was a lot of question marks around him going into this just an average
1: game, but Jameis Winston
0: played terrible. Awesome. So now Tampa Bay, like Bruce
1: Arians is the quarterback guru. And I saw him work with Ben Rotzenberger and that was, and he did a great job with him and Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer with him when he was at Arizona. And you're like, he'll turn around everybody, he'll figure this out. I mean, I guess this is like the whole Bill Belichick and Antonio Brown if we can circle back. <laughs> it's like maybe he met a quarterback who he can't like stop with these interceptions and, and how it was just a bad start for the for the Buccaneers. I mean, they've really invested a lot in, in, in saying Jameis is going to be the quarterback next year but uh, that was it's a they didn't look good and mm. the 49ers don't have a great defense and now the 49 are injured and it's just the Steelers from a Steelers perspective with the Steelers play Seattle next week and they have to I'll be I, I think I'm going to go to that game in two weeks so I've never been to that stadium and I leave ice so I'd like to be at, I would be in LA and, and see that um, but that can be dangerous for the Steelers if the Steelers start at 0-3 then that's a mess but uh, um, again that whole talk that Jimmy G should be quarterback instead of Tom Brady oh so crazy
0: <laughs> yeah no and of course um, you know they're, they're agreeing with you now all across Uh, all across the sports world. Baseball, real quick before we wrap it up, what's going on?
1: How about the Red Sox fire the general manager? Last year, people thought the Red Sox team might have been one of the best baseball teams ever created. Well, the guy who created the Dave Brubowski because they had a... They're above 500 this year, Mm -hmm. but he got fired. He gets fired after being called the genius. Um, But... I think what's what's what the cool thing about baseball right now is the Yankees and Astros are just um, they're just, they're doing what we thought That's they're ninety four and fifty both of them and they're one of them is gonna have home field but they're playing great but as I said before in the last show the 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 Dodgers since that Yankee series they're like five hundred team they're mm-hmm. losing games they have they were like the bully that got punched and they're now every, they themselves look at themselves differently and other teams look at themselves differently they look at the Dodgers Dodgers have not played well and the Braves are only three back from having the best record so I. Said for for this whole our whole season whatever on fantasy I mean our whole season on our radio show I've been talking about the Dodgers are unbeatable but I'm finally seeing a chink in that armor and that Yankee series really showed it and I think they were overconfident and uh, but I still think the Braves aren't good enough but it's but the Braves are hot and if I'm a Braves fan for next year with all that young talent they have uh, I'm set to go they're going to have another super year.
0: You want to hear something funny? So the uh, over the last four weeks. Washington Nationals went 17 and four, and they lost half a game in the division because the Braves were 19 and two. So you went 17 and four and lost ground in your division. You're right that that's a team to be reckoned with uh, in the future. Anything else you want to touch on baseball wise before we wrap this up? Just again that last wild card, so of the National League, the Cubs who really
1: had a grip on that. To, it was theirs. Kim, uh, Craig Kimball, their reliever, goes on the DL. They lose three games in a row, and now they're like battled again they're with the Arizona, the Brewers, the Phillies, and Mets. All thinking they're at least having hope. at all these fans, like my friends who are Met fans, were like, "The season's over. Season's over." But like. We're still only like three back. We still could do this. So they're giving up hope to them. Um, but this week, the interesting games are uh, Oakland at Houston. And the Yankees, though, are going to... The, the, the Oakland is at Houston. Uh, so Houston might lose one or two of those games. The Yanks are at Detroit and Toronto. So the Yankees should just dominate those teams. And uh, this weekend, also, Dodgers are at Mets, which is the Brooklyn Dodgers, the uh, the, the Mets, the New York connection. Uh, and this could be the final. Like, the Dodgers would come into New York and, like, end their season. Like, this could be the end of the Mets.
0: <laughs> Ira Before we wrap it up, where are you headed this week? I have a feeling it's another busy one.
1: Well, just Saturday, Penn State-Pitt, which is once a great, great rivalry. But this is the last time they're going to play for many, many years. And then I'll see uh, Steelers-Seahawks. So see Russell Wilson in Pittsburgh for the Steelers' homeowner.
0: We are out of time. I hope that we can catch up with you next week on IRON Sports.